Welcome back to the FreightWaves Small Fleet Owner Operator Summit. I'm John Kingston. I'm the editor at large at FreightWaves. We're going to be speaking about a, an issue that is on everybody's mind to one degree or another. On New Year's Eve 2019, as 2020 was about to begin, a federal district court in California handed down an injunction that kept the state from enforcing the independent contractor law known as AB5, keeping it out of the trucking sector. The state appealed. Just after Labor Day, a three-judge panel heard that appeal, and some of the attorneys who listened in on the arguments and heard what the appellate judges said came away with a feeling that the appeals court would possibly overturn that injunction. And in late April, they did. And while the injunction is still in place, while the California Trucking Association pursues a further appeal to asking for an end bank hearing, the fact of the matter is that the betting is that AB5 will eventually become the law of the land in the California trucking sector, as it is the law of the land in so many other industries that use a lot of independent contractors. Here to talk about AB5 and how it might impact the day-to-day operations of a trucking company and what they should be doing to prepare for that day is Damon Ott. He is a partner with the law firm of Littler Mendelssohn. He is based in Oakland, California, and he has advised many clients in the transportation business on the issues of employment and other areas of the law. Damon, welcome to the summit. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. So let's first review why AB5 is problematic. It's because of the so-called B-prong. I know that I've described the B-prong, but I'd like to hear a labor lawyer describe the (laughs) B-prong. Sure. I mean, technically, under the law, it is it requires that the business be in a different business, you know, the usual course of business, let's say, than the contracted party. And in trucking, of course, that's a problem, particularly in the uh, scenario where you have owner operators uh, that are operating under a motor carrier's authority. Uh, It makes it very difficult to say that, you know, they're not both involved in the trucking industry and trucking business. And so uh, in many ways, uh, people look at the B prong in that scenario in particular as kind of a a critical killer of that arrangement, uh, prohibiting really the finding of a a valid independent contractor relationship. And that's really what was behind the motivation for the CTA to uh, challenge the law uh, in the case that you mentioned. Right. Let's just say that the B prong is part of is one of three prongs, A, the A prong, the B prong, the C prong. We won't go over what A and C are. They are in AB5 and the ver- the word the wording on them was lifted pretty much verbatim from the dynamics decision regarding independent contractors in a California state court that was handed down in 2018. So I'm going to ask a very blunt question. Is there any conceivable way that a trucking company is going to be able to hire an independent contractor to move freight? under AB5, if that, in fact, is implemented in the trucking sector? Yeah, I think that's a good question. It's, it's the question that many companies are asking themselves. Uh, certainly there, before we, I answer the question, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that there are other arrangements um, in the trucking industry that are, are used and that I think are offering uh, probably more defensible approaches, you know, brokering being probably the most defensible where you're, you've got a broker preferably even without their own motor carrier authority, brokering to authorized motor carriers that have their own authority. Um, you know, we, there's really still no good case law under the new law in California, even on, on that arrangement. But the hope there is that you'd say brokering is a different business than the actual transportation and motor carrier services. And therefore, uh, you, you could say that they're in different businesses. Let's discuss how that works. So trucking company XYZ, which now, let's say, has 
uh, has some so, some company drivers, but also has a brokering division, like most companies do. Which kind of would they get rid of their uh, their their hired drivers, their employee drivers, and just basically be a brokerage company putting together freight between buyer and sh- between uh, uh, shipper and carrier? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, a lot of companies that that are motor carriers, they'll have independent contractor owner operators that work under their authority. Some of them also have employees, but more common, you'll see that they've got an owner operator group operating under their authority, and then they've got broker authority that they're also brokering out to sub haulers or whatever terms they're going to use. But those are the sub hauler would have their own DOT authority. Uh, and so in that, the, the one arrangement, they're brokering per their license in the other. Technically, under the federal transportation regulations, they wouldn't be brokering. They'd be you know, subcontracting the service to an independent contractor uh, that's operating under their authority. And then, you know, that's that's really where the concern is, because they're utilizing their motor carrier permit, which is required to perform motor carrier service. So that's what puts them into the motor carrier business that is the same as the owner operator. Uh, so to your question, though. If there are companies that are doing both of these things, the the safest answer would be to say cut ties with the owner operators and really just rely on the sub haulers. Of course, that's a financial issue where usually the sub haulers will uh, charge more for their services than they might be able to get through an independent contractor owner operator. Uh, and so that's probably you know the real focus here. There's the financial issue, uh, and there's other legal distinctions that. Uh, we can talk about in a second between you know the owner operator uh, and these authorized sub haulers. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about them because I'm, uh, that was my next question. What is the difference between a sub hauler and, and an independent owner operator? So, I mean, the first distinction really is that the independent owner operator is operating under the motor carrier's authority, and there are significant implications for that. Uh, looking at the the sub hauler with its own authorized. Uh, motor carrier permit from the DOT. Um, they are they have the ability, just like any carrier, to go around and, and sell their services and enter into contracts with companies to to haul for whomever. They have also all the obligations that come with that. Uh, you know the drug testing, all of the the verification process that's required for commercial drivers that falls on the motor carrier. So if you've got a sub hauler with motor carrier authority, they are doing all those things, and then they also have the right to go out into the world and sell their services. An owner operator operating under the motor carrier, uh, the authority of the motor carrier uh, really is kind of beholden in some ways because they don't have the authority to go out and perform services on their own. Uh, Some of them do have state authority, so maybe they do have that ability, but it also, you know, the leasing regulations require that the equipment that the owner operator brings to the arrangement has to be, you know, under a lease arrangement that gives the exclusive uh, possession and control to the motor carrier. So it really precludes the use, at least of that particular equipment by the owner operator. If they have other equipment, because uh, owner operators can have entities. And so maybe they are out the multiple truck entities and they're out there using equipment with other motor carriers. Uh, so they could be out doing work with other companies. But if you're looking at a single owner operator with one truck, uh, then unless the lease arrangement is ended, uh, which it can be, depending on the contract terms, uh, but by law it can be, unless that is ended, then they really can't go out and use that equipment to haul for others. 
So, so you're defining independent owner operator here primarily as somebody who's on a lease. Well, yeah, let's make clear that I'm referring to the leasing regulations, which is more of a uh, legal fiction that requires that an owner operator that's operating under a motor carrier's permit, part of the contractual arrangement has to be that the equipment is leased by the owner operator to the motor carrier for public liability purposes, such that the motor carrier is now liable for damages you know, to the public. That, that's part of the federal law that's designed to protect the public. It's not, it doesn't relate to the actual purchase or lease of the equipment itself, which is still up to or should be up to the owner operator. Now, the, the chief proponent, the chief sponsor of AB5 is a, an assemblywoman named Lorena Gonzalez. She actually came out of the labor movement and uh, she said she was quoted uh, as she was pushing this, talking about trucking. This is going to be the end of the brokerage division or the brokerage aspects of the trucking division, which she said was kind of a, a dinosaur. And she wanted to see more company owned uh, company employees, drivers that are employed by a company. Uh, you haven't said anything to indicate that you think that's an option that a lot of companies will take. Well, I mean, I think that, yes, she's right in the sense that I do think that AB5 is pushing companies to you know, utilize employees. I, I, I do think that this, the injunction, preliminary injunction that was issued in the CTA case, I do think kind of, you know, paused that change because people were hoping that the court uh, would come down and find F quad A preemption, which would have made the ABC test inapplicable to motor carriers, which still could happen. And we can talk about that case. It's, it's still an important case. Uh, that did happen in Massachusetts, which has the exact same ABC test uh, without the exception. So I shouldn't say exact, but the, the primary test is the same as California's because California, the Supreme Court actually took the test from Massachusetts. And that test was challenged by uh, the Massachusetts uh, Delivery Association and others. And in, in those cases, it was found uh, the B prong in particular to be preempted by F quad A. So there's now a bit of a split between the Ninth Circuit and uh, the First Circuit that considered that case in Massachusetts. So it could go to the Supreme Court. Uh, and I know there's been talk that the Ninth Circuit could still have an en banc uh, hearing, which would have all, you know, a, a much larger panel consider the same issue. Um, I'm not sure how much optimism there is um, about the Ninth Circuit, but uh, perhaps a little bit more at the Supreme Court level. But the big problem there is getting to the Supreme Court. You know, somebody has to take that case uh, and it might be this case or maybe, you know, it would be in the future because the Supreme Court takes very few cases. What about the option of simply moving your operations? If you're in Southern California, across the border over to Arizona, if you're in Northern California, you cross the border into Oregon or Nevada and you simply run your freight into there using independent owner operators that you hired under the traditional manner. It just that sounds too easy uh, is it possible? Is that an option as well? Uh, yeah, I think it is too easy. I mean, because really California law, uh, it, the simple way to think of it is it's a very geographic focused law. We, the, the state can control what happens within its borders. So, yes, you can relocate your company. A lot of companies, you know, are outside of California. But if the truckers are coming into California while they're in California, they are subject to California law. So it really doesn't buy you much if you've got customers that need to have freight moved within California, you will be at least for the portion that's in California, you'll be subject to California law. 
Now, I know you have many clients in the trucking industry. I'm probably, I'm sure that you probably got a spectrum of those who are very tuned into AB5 and maybe are taking steps to prepare for it. And those who are maybe kind of hoping it would all just go away. <laughs> They'd wake up one day and it's not there. Uh, I'm sure you run the gamut. The companies that are really on this, uh, are they doing anything right now to prepare for this? Uh, obviously, maybe not even ta- not not taking necessarily taking operational steps, but you know they've got a nice fat operational plan on what to do should this become the law of the land. What's what's the the the, the best practices here? Yeah, no, I, that, that's a good question. I, I think you know, interestingly, before January one, twenty twenty, when AB five was going into effect, there was a lot of of companies scrambling uh, because it was before the injunction. Nobody knew what was going on. There was a lot of, you know, ramp up since the time that it passed. There's months in between passage and it becoming effective. There's a lot of, I was doing a lot of advice with, with companies. And then because of this case, people have kind of been holding off on some of those decisions. Some companies actually made the change at that time. Um, and other companies said, okay, well, let's put on hold um, making changes to see, because once you make changes, uh, it, they're very difficult to reverse. So a lot of companies, I think, put these on hold. And now uh, they're going to be in a position where the Ninth Circuit's ruling is pretty definitive. There is also, which we haven't talked about, a California State Court of Appeal decision in the Cal Carthage case that also found the same thing, which is that there wasn't federal preemption of the uh, ABC test. So we've got now both a Court of Appeal decision which we know if it were to go to the California Supreme Court, we know where that's going to go because we've already seen their ruling. Uh, the, the dynamics decision that you mentioned, um, I was actually part of the, the team representing the, the defendant in that case. That, that decision was issued in a case involving motor carriers. So uh, we know that the California Supreme Court's not going to find or consider really F quad A preemption. Uh, so now. There's something called. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, sorry, just to complete, I'd say now I think companies are still potentially holding on to that hope, you know, because there is this Supreme Court potential. But at this point, um, you know, and that will be decided here pretty soon, whether they're going to take the case. And if they take the case, then companies could continue to hold on to hope. But if not, I think, you know, we've kind of reached that point of a decision really needs to be made about probably changing the model. There's also something called the business to business exception. Actually, it was part of AB5, and it kind of gives a roadmap for how you can continue to hire independent contractors that are in essentially the same business as you. But it's complex. I think it was a 12 point test in there, and you had to go 12 for 12. You know, it wasn't a passing grade of 65. You had to go 100%. And I think that most people I spoke to think the business to business exception. It's just too high a hurdle for you to be able to continue to, to to continue doing business the old way. Yeah, no, that so that is that I think is the one. There, there's actually a specific exception for construction trucking, but that that aside, which is it's kind of a very unique and narrow thing, doesn't apply to many people. The the only other real exception that could potentially come in in the trucking industry is this business to business exception uh, that you mentioned, and you know, because Lorena Gonzalez and the legislature, they just did not want to give anything to the trucking industry. So there's some other factor, some other exceptions um, that could have potentially included trucking, but specifically do not. Uh, so this is the one that is kind of a, an overarching general potential exception. And it can work in the, the trucking industry, but there are some significant concerns. The original 
business to business exception required the service provider or the contractor, owner, operator, whichever term you want to use, required that it have uh, contracts with other businesses. And they actually used the plural term. They used the present tense, which suggested that you, to, to satisfy that one element of the exception, and as you said, you have to satisfy every one of these. And I think it's 13 or 14 factors. For that one, you, on the original iteration, you actually had to have multiple contracts with others which was very difficult because as we talked about, if you're an owner operator with an arrangement with a motor carrier, you're already kind of beholden to that particular arrangement. You can't just take your truck around doing work for others whenever you want. So you might have other contracts, but it would be difficult for them to be uh, effective concurrently at the same time or to actually do the work concurrently. Uh, that, no, that factor, sorry, I just want to, let me clarify. So that, that actually was amended so that's AB5 is the original, AB2257 was passed, and that was one of the critical amendments that it made that actually is beneficial um, for the industry. And that, that one factor was changed such that now it only requires that you show that they have the right to or can contract with others. And so there's still some questions out there, but because what would that mean in the context where you're somewhat regulated by the federal transportation regulations that say, your truck is actually in the exclusive possession and control of this motor carrier. Can you, under this factor, could you be found to still have the right to go out and do enter into contracts with others? And I would say, yes, you can. Um, but we still have to find out what the courts are going to say. But my, my opinion is you can, because this is really about you as a business. Do you have the ability to do that? You could, like I said, you could have multiple contracts. You could also have certain arrangements um, that you might be able to, uh, get the, the vehicle released to go haul for others. And those contracts could be in place at the same time. Uh, and so it very much, I think that that's true, that they can satisfy it. But California courts are extremely hostile to, to these types of arrangements now. And so I think it's a bit of a gamble uh, for the, the motor carriers. And that's what they're facing right now. It's just, it's getting worse and worse. And the companies are having to take the risk of saying, the lawyer will tell you, I think it's possible we don't have a court interpretation of this. Uh, and then there's the other factors we haven't even talked about that they also have to, have to satisfy. Uh, so it's, it's just getting more and more difficult. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, there's still a lot of legal landmines are going to have to go through because it's not cut and dried. Let me ask the, uh, let's note that last election day, the ride sharing business, Uber, Lyft, and also uh, some of the delivery services like DoorDash got out from under AB5 through a popular referendum. Any hope for that in the trucking industry? I would say the public perception of Uber and Lyft are different than the public perception of an 18-wheeler. They've probably driven in the back of an Uber or Lyft car, and they probably have never driven in the front cab of, a, of an 18-wheeler. Uh, is, that, is that just – is that a one-off that you could get that done with Uber and Lyft, but you're not going to be able to get that done with the trucking industry if it, in fact, wanted to turn to the, uh, to the, uh, the voice of the people, uh, the referendum route? You know, I do a lot of work with those, those companies and – specialize a lot in Prop 22 as well. I'm not sure I'm qualified to tell you what, you know, the state electorate would, would have an appetite for. I do think, though, that it's it's something that it is different because, first of all, we know those companies spend a good amount of money to get that passed, get that on the ballot, and, and to get the, the media attention. Trucking could potentially do that, um, but it just doesn't have that same personal uh, attachment, like you say, you know, the Uber that you everybody uses, uh, you got a personal interest in keeping the cost reasonable there. 
Uh, and so I'm not sure if it would pass. Maybe, you know, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that Prop 22 uh, was a bit of an education for the legislature to say that, you know, look, you know, you're doing things that the state, the people don't want. Um, but, you know, I'm not particularly optimistic about the California legislature, given its its nature. Um, you know, I think that the legislature is trying to do good things. You know, I, I'll give them that credit. Um, but I just I don't think that they have the knowledge and understanding or at least do not go about it in a way that is effective for businesses, which are so critical to California's success. So uh, I think AB5 is, is really a disaster. I think it's, it's terrible that it came out of the case, you know, that I was part of this, the dynamics decision at the Supreme Court, which shocked everyone uh, at the time. Once people realized what it was, that they just kind of declared by edict, this will be a new law. Now it's been deemed to be retroactive so that somehow we were supposed to be uh, under the standard the whole time for the wage orders, which I think is uh, an incredible legal fiction that I'm surprised that they issued. So it, it's a very tough time right now. But, you know, getting back to the, these options, there are these options that I think companies should be exploring. You know, first looking at this brokering potential. Some of them are already well set up for that. Um, and then these other arrangements, looking hard at this business-to-business exception. Um, you know, if they're intrastate only, which there's less of that in the big trucks, I realize. Um, but if you're intrastate, it's a lot easier because then you don't have the same leasing because uh, they could have their own California motor carrier permit uh, and do business with lots of different carriers uh, under their own authority. Uh, so it's a little bit easier, I think, to to satisfy the business to business in, in that scenario. But, you know, you just have to keep in mind that this is a, an area of the law where you hear independent contractor, the, the 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 land of California is full of plaintiff's attorneys. So there's just going to be litigation. Uh, so you want to know that if it's worth it for you to go into these uh, arrangements because you're going to have to defend them. Well, we'll have you back at some sort of a Freightways event in the future, whether it's a, a, a an in-person summit or another online summit to talk about AB5 and how it's affecting the industry, because this isn't going away for a very, very long time. So we do want to thank Damon Ott of the Littler Law Firm in California for joining us today here at the Freightways Small Fleet Owner Op- Small Fleet Owner Operator Summit. I've been your host for this chat, John Kingston. Please stay tuned. <laughs> 